welcome everybody to a very impromptu, uh, you know, hopefully not a backup quality, uh, episode 189 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast, or as I like to call it back in the, you know, back in the 1800s when I did podcasts for Cowboys Ride for Fee, Free, we called it uh, Cowboys Podcast for Free. So, Again, episode 189, uh, Zach McCoy is joining me. Apparently, Zach, the uh, two young fathers, um, just they, they just couldn't handle the, uh, you know, having like multiple babies and, you know, whatever going on. And somebody said something about sound quality in the house. And we got called in. I mean, we got we got called in for backup duty, so maybe we're going to be like Frank Reich, and we're going to uh, you know throw for like 500 yards, and we'll get to sign a contract you know with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, we did. We we got audible in, and we'll just uh, we'll do our best with what we've got. I mean, it's it. I'm I'm excited to to be here to do this with you. So. <laughs> This, I think we had a fun game to talk about. Oh, so. oh yeah, tremendous, tremendous game. Now, we're just going to preface this with our, our great leader um, did not give us a lot of parameters other than to, I believe, I believe what she said was do what we want, break for the sponsor, and preview K-State. Um, she might have said, yeah, well, I... I think there might have been a thing in there about no f bombs, but oh, I, I don't remember that one. But yeah, yeah, I well, I don't either. But I think uh, I think Philip and Joel would have sponsor issues, and we don't want to screw up their sponsor game. I mean, sponsor. Yeah, that, that would be bad. I've, I mean, I remember when we were just trying to write stuff and get it posted online, uh, but sponsors. This is I'm like almost feeling pressure here, so. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll do our best. It, it, it wasn't, and I, and I think, first of all, I don't, I don't think you introduced yourself, Robert. I don't Did think I, you, you said who oh, you are. Here I, here I am, yes. So for, for anybody that doesn't know, and if you're listening to this and you don't know who I am, you should be ashamed of yourselves. That's true. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it comes without a... I've without been, a, without yes. an introduction. This is, this is Robert Wetzel, affectionately known as... CRFF grandfather. Uh, main reason for that being <clears throat> I began managing, I started writing for the site in 2012. Uh, I started blogging. I had my own little blog and I did it just because I needed an outlet. I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't doing it because I was trying to make something of it. I just did it because I needed an outlet. And, and so I started that in 2011. Uh, during the season, and um, started writing for Cowboys Ride for Free 2012, and about a you know interestingly enough about a month I actually like a week after my mother passed away, I agreed to manage uh, Cowboys Ride for Free, and I did that for I think almost two years, not quite two years, and then there were you know a couple other people in there. I think Cade Webb was in there maybe for a while couple other folks and now Mike has got it and and it's 
it's whatever it is. I never imagined uh, that we would have a podcast with sponsors. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's funny. It's uh, it's a good time, and I've been allowed to hang around and uh, post a few things here and there. So, that being said, let's dispense with the pleasantries and let's talk about that absolute shitstorm of an effing <laughs> fiasco that was the Texas game. Now, I'm just going to preface this whole thing with, mm-hmm. I have a work colleague. I have I've actually three work colleagues who are Big 12 people. Our customer mm-hmm. service manager is an Iowa State fan. And, and while she doesn't talk a lot about it, she, she's got her Iowa State like blanket she throws on sometimes. If we're on like a Zoom call, you'll see her with her Iowa State blanket on, and she's got a little Iowa State pennant up on the wall. It's um, like a Zoom call confidential. Yes, this is like our internal Zoom call when nobody cares what <laughs> anybody looks like. And, and then we have a, another gentleman who's an active guy on Twitter. Uh, he's at, he's He's uh, Geronimo Coates. If you look up Geronimo Coates, Dalton, I'll mention him by name, who is a fellow Oklahoma State guy, graduated from Oklahoma State. He had a family that went there. So he's a diehard. He's into old school Oklahoma State stuff. So like old ball caps and shirts with the old A&MO logo on them, stuff like that. And we argue about our our opinions all the time. And, uh, And then we have another guy who is a Texas Longhorn. And we might have had a discussion in our last Zoom call about Mm -hmm. what happened last weekend. So so I'm dealing with some of the, uh, you know, the Texas, like, you know, Ellinger's the greatest thing ever, and Texas won that game. Oh really? I'm gonna just drop that on your plate, Zach. And is 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 that the take that came from the Texas fans? After that was that, that was that was pretty much the take. Yes, that was pretty much the take. Interesting, because I I mean I, I don't know I don't know which game we're we're talking about the Texas game, right? Where where he threw for 169 yards? That one? Is that the one? Wait, he about? threw for 169? I didn't think he was even that much. Well, I mean, it wasn't until overtime. Oh, we, oh we right, right, right. His stats a We're gonna, bit. We'll count. We'll count overtime. He padded his stats. Yeah, that's the game. That's the game, Zach. Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, huh. I don't know. I don't know what kind of shit that boy's smoking, but, uh, you know. I, I have to be honest. I avoided talking to my Texas fan friends, which I have a few. Um only one that's fairly into sports um and uh, i i didn't really i knew his take would be something just to, just to troll me and it wouldn't have been fun for me to to get in on that um but uh but yeah i, I mean of all of all the takes i mean you you could say that texas's defense made enough plays like if, if you want to take it as <laughs> They, they, they're the ones that forced the errors. I mean, I think a lot of the errors that we were, were are, like we made the errors. We, we made bad bad decisions, bad plays, mistakes. I mean, certainly the handoff is unforced. Yeah, I was going to um, say forced is, forced is being maybe, I think the word I'm looking for is generous. 
Um, yeah, so, if, I mean, yeah, if you look at the four turnovers, there was there was the botched uh, handoff, right? There was the interception, which was just maybe not the greatest route and just a horrible throw, right? Um, and then there was the fumble. So you could maybe... You could maybe give them credit for the fumble. Was it uh, uh, LD Brown? LD Brown's fumble. Yep. yep. Where he got smacked. Yeah, it was. Uh, he, he, got, he turned his back, um, and when he tried to turn, twist back and move forward, he got he got hit. He got he got Pretty drilled. Good. Yeah, he got drilled, and and so maybe you give Texas credit for that. Sure. Um, you could give them maybe partial credit for the fumble before halftime on kind of the sack. Um, mm-hmm. Just for the fact that, that oh God, what is the guy's name? Starts with an O for Texas, who's so good. Uh, um, Asai. Asai. Joseph Asai. That dude is a beast. Yep, we'll give him credit. He blew up Rye Schneider uh, on like a, on like a uh, twist. Um, and... Spencer got lead feet and just decided he was going to, you know, the most, one of the most mobile QBs, best running QBs in the Big 12, decided to stand like a statue in the pocket for like four seconds. Because um, he had over three seconds. And, you know, and then tried, you know, force a play and that it was, just, well, whatever. So, okay, so we, we'll, give them, we'll give them like a turnover and a half credit out of four turnovers. But if you... If you look at that, right, I mean, how could you argue that if you took away three of the four turnovers, that Oklahoma State doesn't beat them by at least three touchdowns? Oh, yeah. I right? mean, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the score is, so I, I don't want to – I mean, I, I would say you're probably talking about a two- to three-score game. And, and beyond the fact that they had so many, which obviously were – the, the amount, the sheer amount is, is terrible. Every single one of them was backbreaking. It was hugely momentum um, intertwined. All, all of them were at terrible times, and all of them gave Texas fantastic field position. I think the worst field position they had off one of our turnovers was their own 40, I think. Uh, actually, like actually, no, I think all of the turnovers, I think all of the turnovers gave Texas the ball in, in OSU's end of the field. And I think the worst was the 41, okay. I think. Now, I, I could be wrong on one of those. It's, where was L.D. Browns? It was somewhere around midfield. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, so I, Spencer's, Spencer's fumble before half gave them the ball at like the 41, and I think that was the worst. Uh, I think that was the worst field position they had after a turnover. So, so yeah, Texas, you, if you, if you take away, uh, take away at least two, if not three of those turnovers and you're losing that game by a minimum of two scores. And if you take away one penalty, just one, if you take away one penalty, you lose that game. One, the, the, the roughing the kicker, which, yeah. That was, I mean, would you agree that that might, that could go down as like the most atrocious call of the season in the Big 12? 
so I, I don't I don't haven't heard have you heard anything else on the roughing the kicker because to me like I can see how you can call that running into the kicker because he hit the plant leg and it wasn't hard but he, he hit it and you could tell he hit it so th- that one while I, I didn't like the call I, it should not have been a personal foul um the, the worst one to me was when Spencer Sanders got targeted twice in one play and one of oh, them God. was egregious. And it was not called. Not it. And that's a play they can review. It, it, can you review it if it's not called, or is it only if yes. it's been called? Then you review. No, it. no. I believe I believe targeting is one of those plays that the booth can buzz in. See, that's when, when I saw it. I, I I looked over at my dad and I said, like, they need to review that. That's a reviewable play. But I, but but since they didn't, I assumed maybe maybe I was wrong. But well, that, I mean that that's terrible. We're gonna we're gonna look that up right here in real time. Can targeting be go to the, the the college football rulespedia? No, but like that. I mean, if you, I don't know how you can watch that play. And disagree that there should have been targeting called. It was, I mean, it's tar- targeting gets called rather liberally, and I think yeah. it's been better since the rule has been um, instituted for a few years. I think that it's kind of started to like become a more reasonable rate of being called. Yes, but I mean that that was saying, bad. Yeah, based on what I'm saying, uh, it looks like it's the only instance in college football where the booth can choose to review something even though a flag was not thrown on the field. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. uh, there's no excuses then. I mean, that that to me... So you could be right. I mean, here's my problem. Like, my problem with the roughing the kicker penalty was... Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, despite... Let's, let's just, besides the fact that why the hell are we rushing the punter to begin with? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, that was dumb. Yeah, yeah we got to take some credit for for the decision right. there. Right. Why did we put ourselves in that position? But at the same time, the guy he doesn't really dive. He sort of falls forward. He lands on the ground, and sort of as he lands on the ground, he rolls, and it and his helmet doesn't. I I would say the contact between the guy's helmet. And the kicker's plant leg? I don't even know that in a most generous world, you could call that, you could refer to that as hitting the plant leg. Like he touched the plant leg with his helmet. How you couldn't, as an official, you know, I work, I I have to work with people like this sometimes. Who they're just, it's just black and white. Oh, nope, touch plant leg, that's roughing the kicker. <laughs> right? I mean, I just, how, did, how is there no judgment in the moment to is, say... Is, the plant, is plant leg roughing and, and kicking leg um, running? Is that, is that the rule or is it the opposite? Well, I, I don't know that it's one leg or the other. I think that the plant leg is considered pretty much off limits. Right? So any type of contact with the plant leg is yeah. considered okay. roughing. Okay. Okay. 
And apparently that is the case because the contact that happened was literally I could have walked back there and touched him with my index finger. And that would be considered yeah. roughing the kicker, which is just uh, that's just such bullshit. The you're it, right. The targeting was just horrendous. The pass interference, while it was a bad call, it, right? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. a bad call. I can see you see those plays happen, right? It's all yeah. about angle. It's all about the angle of the ref. And you're talking about the one in overtime, right? Not yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's all about the angle of the ref and whatever. And while it was just a horrible call, you know, the guy tripped. He clearly tripped. If you look at the replay, he tripped over himself. Um, those calls happen in those moments. Yeah, the, the bang, yeah, the bang bang calls. I mean, it's a like you said, it's a bad call. But they, but those th- those kind of calls you can kind of live with. It sucks. Well, I don't it know about that. May have cost the game. <laughs> I, I mean, may, maybe live with is too strong of a too strong of an expression, but. Yeah. But I mean, not that we're counting or anything, but we're we're going through three, and then there was another interference that kept Texas's drive alive on their last drive of the of of, of um regulation. Yeah. So I mean, there there was four calls that were questionable at best. Some of them were just flat out wrong. Um. That and then was... another one that I hate yeah. is is on, is on the touchdown to to Jelani, and I, I understand. Uh. He he was downfield, so th- th- certainly it was the right call. Two but guys were downfield. Two guys well, yeah, were downfield. But my problem with that is that in the RPO world of college football and in all of football at, at this point, there, there's a guy downfield on almost every play. Right. Almost every play. Yeah. They're all, in... they're, they are run blocking and pass blocking situations. Well, all the so time. here is the thing about that, right? And this is going to be our first but not our last reference to the Tape Doesn't Lie podcast, guys. They don't think, they didn't think that that was an RPO. Okay. They were of the opinion that that was not an RPO play and that what happened was just like, it was just a miscommunication type of thing. So in other words, the way Spencer handled it wasn't an RPO, but the way the lineman handled it was an RPO. I, it looked I like think, Spencer tried to just tuck the ball. Like I think he was trying to sell that he was going to run. Right. Because because he because he did like feign a little bit of a tuck to look yeah. like he was running, and then he pulled it and he threw it. But the linemen at that point were, I mean, oh. I mean, and, and you had to call the. the I mean, yeah, Kevin they, Jenkins, he is a stud. <laughs> they were downfield. Yeah, he was past. He was past Jelani. I watched it again, and I was yes. like, "Oh, yeah, you can't not call that." He was he was past the receiver. It's yeah, yeah. It is so, what it is. Yeah, that was that was a tough call, but it was the right call. You, I mean, you're gonna throw that flag. That was you know that was the right call. I think yeah. to me the 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 two calls, and and you might be right that the 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 non-targeting targeting where he actually was targeted by two different players was yeah. was was more egregious than the roughing um uh, i but, mean that that one is just straight wrong like you you can say letter of the law yeah. he he contacted the plant leg okay if you want to call that a roughing then then so be it like it, it like you and I see that with our eyes and we're like that's not roughing the kicker right that that's not why that rule exists yeah, but 
but the targeting is egregious and and obviously the pass interference was wrong as well but we, we we get we give them a pass for the bang bang play so in my mind the worst of all the calls was the missed missed targeting yeah. and and that that doesn't necessarily win you the game because that just prolongs our our overtime possession so at yeah, that point right. i mean the game should have never been in overtime so right yeah i mean that i mean that just leads us to you know you know we talked about the turnovers um everybody wants to focus on spencer sanders with the turnovers but obviously ld brown uh in a moment where okay you know what a fumble's gonna happen sometimes in in, in a moment like that uh because because mm-hmm. he did he was trying to make a play and then he got just he just got drilled um mm-hmm. the the screw up between spencer and chuba that is the second time that's happened this year that shit's got to stop yeah and, second second time that it's resulted in a turnover yeah, that's the second time that's resulted in a turnover, and and I'm sorry, but Chuba's had uh, some ball security issues by himself, and that dude needs to get his he he needs to get his act together. Well, uh, did they, so who whose fault was it? Because they they somebody talked about this on Twitter. Um, I think I think it might have been Adam Lunt of the Tape Doesn't Lie podcast. He was talking about how. Maybe it was somebody else, but he was talking about how in the Our Time documentary we saw them have that issue and they worked it out. And in in that case, Spencer owned up to it. He was like, "That was my fault." I I don't know whose fault it is. Any of the other times, if it's always Spencer's fault or what, but like whoever's fault it is, it's it's got to go. Like why why is this still an issue? Right. And so so with those plays, so like what happened in the Our Time documentary, um is that with that that straight that straight up RPO play mm-hmm. the quarterback is is almost supposed to kind of step like almost out of the way a little bit like so if let's say you're going to the running back's going to go to his right that when Spencer receives the the uh, the snap that he actually takes the leg on the right side and steps back out of the way with it mm-hmm. right um, or, or maybe he steps forward a little bit with the left leg, but he's not supposed to step out to one side or the other. And mm-hmm. what happened in the hour time is he actually turned and stepped out into the lane that Chuba wants to run in, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like it's a straight handoff. And so okay. that was Spencer's problem. The, if the quarterback is doing his part right... The running back, essentially, and, and I don't know how the exchange works exactly, uh, but the exchange, the quarterback's in charge in charge of the exchange. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, when there is a screw-up like that, it will when you see that type of a screw-up, it'll be because the running back tried to maybe hang on to the ball a little bit. Right? Because mm-hmm. the ball kind of got out yeah, of Spencer's hand. Point. Right, yeah, that yeah. mesh point where maybe he started to pinch the ball a little bit and Spencer's trying to pull it and the ball falls out in between them as opposed to Spencer sticks it right in his gut and lets go, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't secure the ball and the ball maybe pops out in front of him, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's my amateur analysis, but the two times that they've <laughs> screwed, right, 
the two times they've screwed that up in gameplay, the ball has, has like fallen on the ground in between them. Well, so the first one, I kind of gave Spencer a pass because that was that was after he had messed up his ankle. His, his ankle, yeah. And and he, he he had to jump for the snap. It was a high snap. He jumped for it. Right. He got it down. He Throws tried to get off. into Spencer's uh, into Chuba's belly, and it and it didn't quite make it. So that one, I, I kind at the time I gave him a pass for, it, but we've seen it come up again and again. And those those are. Those are infuriating. Like, like the the, the bad decision making that's got to get better, and and it's just it's going to come with time. But but the like the the execution type stuff, like you can't have it. Like we've got we've got, and I know I know this is the fans a lot of the fans play too. Like we are we feel like we're wasting such an excellent defense, and usually it's the opposite. We feel like we're wasting right. such a, an amazing offense, but we ha- we have maybe the best defense Oklahoma State has ever had. And it comes in a year where we have just a very Jekyll and Hyde offense. And a lot of it's just because we have an experienced quarterback who's having trouble maturing, getting to that next level. Well, it's not even it, you know, you're, you're throwing in some mistakes, right? Some turnovers. Plus Mm -hmm. you're getting like penalties here and there. So like the, the ineligible receiver downfield that brings back the touchdown in OT. Mm-hmm. Right, so you know, it's. I, I'll talk more about the defense in a in a minute, but the there will be there will be no defensive slander on this. On no, this podcast. there will be no defensive slander at all on this podcast. So uh, listen, we we've complained about the mistakes, the turnovers. The officiating has has not been great this year overall, and we saw sort of a perfect storm of Oklahoma State, you know, turnovers plus some horrendous calls and non-calls uh, yeah, in that and game. It felt so much worse because they were all at the end. Oh, like, they were in so the critical. Time. They were critical. Yeah, they're critical right in crunch time. Um, but I I do have to say. I don't know what your opinion is. My opinion so far, I am all in on Casey Dunn. Oh yeah, I'm all in. Hmm. I, it's hard for me to blame him for a lot of the issues that we've had because he had to deal with a backup quarterback, and, he, and I think he did fine with what with what he had. Um, so he's had a lot of adjusting to do on the fly at a very important position. And then now that he's got his guy back in there, I mean, when the offense clicks, it's unstoppable. I mean, I, I mean, may, maybe a really good defense could give him fits, but there, there's a lot you have to consider on this offense. You have a Heisman candidate running back who has not performed to that level this year to this point, except for some moments. Right. And you have a Bolitnikov finalist receiver. And you have, and you have a, a dynamic quarterback. Like you have all the pieces. The, the right. line is the biggest weak point, and they pass block pretty well, for the most part. They yeah. they got a little bit eaten up against Texas. Yeah, Rice Schneider's um, got. Rice Schneider is a, is proving to be a little. He's being he's becoming. I thought he was going to be a great story, and really become uh-huh. a, a really solid, you know, just a solid center. Um, he's not been, he's not done well. Like he's struggled. He's struggled. Yeah. He's struggled. Um, he has. the Tylen Wallace 
that he was just a beast on, he's, on he, Saturday. He's, I mean, he he takes it to the next level when he plays Texas, and I think part of it's the defense that Texas plays. They, yeah. they, they take away Chuba, they don't let Chuba beat him, and they they, they just put one on one against Thailand. And I mean, Thailand eats up one on one coverage every time. You cannot cover him one on one, and he showed it again. Yeah, he did. You just can't. There was a play. Um... There was a play where Spencer threw just a perfect back shoulder uh, pass to mm-hmm. Wallace. And if you watch on that play, and they talked about it on tape, doesn't lie. But I remember watching this live on TV, and when they showed it, it was like, wow, that, that, the, the quarterback actually looks like he's playing to force Tylen inside. Like he's playing outside leverage, you yeah. know. Like he's he's if Tylen's going to do anything, he's going to force him into his safety help, and Tylen still went outside. <laughs> it was yeah. he's like he still went outside, and he still went up and caught a ball over your shoulder. It was like that that dude is is just, I mean. He's come back off the knee injury. I would, you know, I think you would agree. He's come back off the knee thing, like no sweat, like no problem. Yeah, he he looks he looks like vintage, legit, same as always. Tylen Wallace making plays. Like when he caught that uh, that pass in the end zone over the Texas defender over his over his helmet. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I flipped out. That that he's he's the best receiver in college football. I don't care what the numbers tell you. What pro football focus tells you what it, any of the numbers like he the dude is he, he's a legit receiver he, he i mean I'm, I'm we're obviously biased but yeah he's a different he, version to me he's a different version of justin blackman okay mm-hmm. so justin blackman was a dude okay who everybody in five states knows you're going to throw a five-yard slant to Justin Blackman. And you can't do anything about it. Yeah, but so, so there, I mean, maybe... Thailand's different. J- just in the, yeah, yeah. I mean, totally different bodies. Uh, Blackman was a much more physical receiver. Right. Not to, not to say that Thailand's not. Thailand will, Thailand will put a hit. Like, when he's blocking, he, he, he puts <laughs> everything into his blocking. Yeah, he, 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 he is not afraid to hit you. <laughs> yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, but... But he's physical at the at the point of attack too for for catching a ball. Obviously, that I mean that's his number one strength. Is right. You go one on one up for a ball. Thailand will win nine times out of ten, and on the tenth time, it's an interference call. Yeah, right. So he's the king. He he's like the king of contesting catches and the king of uh, pass interference. <laughs> he yeah, I mean, and so it's because many. they throw it up to him. They give him chances to, yeah. to make those plays. He gets so many of those. No, so, but my point being was. Tylen's different than Justin Blackman, but in his way, he's like literally at some point, if he makes his mind up, he's just almost like, okay, we all know we're going to throw it to him, but you can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of a thing, which is just awesome. But I want to go back to Casey Dunn because sure. the there were a couple of plays. So the play was it um, 
who caught the 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 it was it Wolf? Was it Wolf or Johnson that caught the touchdown um on the left that side? That was wide open in the corner. It was just why I mean just yeah, that wide was Wolf. Open. That was Wolf. That that was Wolf right after he missed the his free pass to the end zone. He made up for it. He was yeah. like, I'll just take it on the next play. Yep. That was I mean, such such a play that the routes they were I mean, let's put it this way. When you see a quarterback like Spencer Sanders, okay, which we can talk more about, who mm-hmm. has progressed, so he has progressed, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. We, we have yeah. seen him now start to come off his first read, guys, but he's also been better at recognizing where – so Brandon Whedon, the greatest thing about Brandon Whedon – was that he could step up, look at the defense, and know immediately where his hot read was. Mm -hmm. Like, that dude got rid of the ball so fast, literally every time to some dude who was was open on Mm -hmm. on the money. And he was so good at recognizing the coverage pre-snap and knowing where where his hot read was going to be. And Sanders mm-hmm. actually started to do a little bit of that, a tiny bit of that against Texas. He did a, what I mm-hmm. felt like was a little more of coming off his first read quicker to okay. a backup read. Um, yeah. I felt like anyway. I don't know about, about you, but it felt like it. No, I, I think so. I mean, it may, maybe sometimes I think they build in that, like the drawing the safety um, to the to the other side kind of thing. Sometimes I think that's kind of built into the progression. Like, right? You're they not, did that a lot. It's right. not actually a primary read. Right. They did that but, a lot. But I, th- I think I think he does that too. I think he's made better decisions. I think he's not just a one one progression guy. So so he's definitely making. Pro- I I think, and I don't know. I'll let, I, I'll let you give your opinion too. I think Spencer's mistakes this year have been when he's feeling himself. Like he'll come off some. Like the one of the ones to, in the Texas game, and it, right before the half, he he threw up like a, an NFL throw to Braden Johnson, oh, and it was that, on the money. Any, like, right? How many how many quarterbacks are going to make that throw, and it's a pick six? A lot. <laughs> I mean, it was that's a that's a damn hard throw. The, the next play, I think he threw he he made that mistake. He threw, um was it the the. Was it a fumble or an interception? I can't. Oh, that was well. If it was before half, it was the fumble. Uh, it was okay. A fumble. Yeah. Yeah. So so the, so then so the like the next player play after that he he made that mistake, but there 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 is one and maybe it's a different game where where he he was making he made two or three really good throws, and then and then he tried to fit the ball into this window that just didn't exist. Maybe it was against Iowa State. It was against Iowa State where he actually he went back to the same throw. Yeah. Uh, but he was late. He was he mm-hmm. was late on yeah, the throw. That's it. And and I think you're I think you're on to that. I think you're on to the point where he right now he's 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 making progress. Not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. He's making progress. You can see the benefit that he brings to the offense. Right, the added dimension, and he's yeah. capable of throwing the ball. Um, he's not the best, you know, like 40 or 50 yard deep ball guy. Um, but 
but he can like anything under that. He can put he can put mustard on it, or he can put a little touch on it. He's mm-hmm. got a good arm, and his growth, I think, is going to be that he will continue to develop his ability to discern between the moments when I feel like I have to try to make a play and when I'm going to live to fight another day, right? Yeah. Throw the ball exactly. away. So that little, that stupid little lob, he tried to lob that ball into the end zone that almost got picked off. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just a horrible decision. I think next year, you know, either later this year or next year, he doesn't, he, he throws it away. Or he tucks it and just, you know, gains a few yards and, and whatnot. So, I I mean, I think one of the things we forget is he had wait, no wait, spring next practice. Year? You, you mean he's not he's not going to get benched? He's not. Yeah, no, 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 Zach. I know. Don't don't try to start artificial quarterback controversy. <laughs> We're not doing that. It's... <laughs> but but there are, there, are fan, there, there are people that claim to be fans of Oklahoma State. That legitimately think that we're better off with a, with a true freshman. And yeah, well, let's just put it this way. Forget he's a true freshman, right? He's a he's more of a Brandon Whedon style quarterback. From a from a I'm not saying he's Brandon Whedon. Everybody calm calm the frig down. Okay. Never said never said he was, but I'm saying he's more that style where he's going to stand back there and pitch the ball around. And the only way you have somebody stand back there and pitch the ball around is if you've got an offensive line that while ours is doing an okay job in pass protection, they're not doing that kind of a job in pass protection. I mean, Shane, Shane yeah. Illingworth would have gotten the crap, the shit beat out of him. He would have mm-hmm. got the shit beat out of him against Texas. Asai would have would have he would have had a size like the front of a size helmet tattooed in his chest by the time that was done. So yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I'm I'm definitely that was a in jest. I I think we're both on the on the give Spencer time train. I, yeah, I, and I think we I think we underestimate what not having spring practice took away. Not having um, spring practice, missing missing games already in a shortened season. Right. I mean, that was his twelfth start. That yep. was his twelfth start. Um, you know, for Oklahoma State as a college quarterback, and you know, look, what, what is Gundy's number? Thirteen games? Is that fifteen? Fifteen games. Fifteen. Right. Almost there. And the whole point being, if you take away LD Brown's fumble. If you take away the roughing the kicker or the you give us the targeting, you know, if Oklahoma State wins that game, all sins forgiven. We're not as focused on that crap, right? Yeah. So, so I'm I'm fine with that, but I I think Casey Dunn right now, I thought the offense got really opened up. I thought there was just a ton of variety in the plays. I really got the only thing I get tired of, and this just feels very Gundy-ish to me. I really get tired of the running plays on second and ten or nine or eight. Um, I would rather see more, you know, either some more play action 
out of that maybe or something that gets on the edge a little quicker um but it felt like we did a lot of that on saturday like we'd run the ball for maybe a yard or two on first down and then we'd turn around and do it again well in texas i mean i mean you listen to tape doesn't lie maybe they talked about it a little bit more but it, it felt like texas was playing to stop the run yeah consistently yeah and 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 I think I think the idea is like eventually you've pulled them back enough with with throws that you can you're eventually going to wear the defense down because you have a Heisman candidate running back in, back there. But like the problem is the, the, as as decent as the line is at pass blocking, they they are not at run blocking. Nah, they're not. Yeah, they're they they're... they have. And I don't I don't know what I don't know how there's that much of a disparity, but but they're just they're just not good at it. Like they, they, they can they can hold the defensive line at bay. They can pick up a blitz to some extent, but they for whatever reason they, they have no strength to get those get those holes open for Chuba. And I think that's part of why Chuba looks pedestrian this year. Part of it's Chuba's I think Chuba's kinda I don't know what it was. I don't think he's I think early in the season it looked like Chuba was was rusty, was and maybe that's the spring practice. But I, th- I think he's. I don't think that's what happened in the Texas game. I think it was. I think he was normal Chuba, and and a Texas defense that was not going to let Chuba beat them. Yeah, and Chuba slipped a couple times too. So yeah, no, I but would... I don't, But th- that's that's not effort stuff. That's just that's just uh, like it, it sucks. Chuba maybe, I don't know. His his yeah. shoes were not. I don't. I don't disagree up. with that. I don't disagree with that. I think, I think the offensive line. I think Charlie Dickey's doing a hell of a job because. You know, you had Jake Springfield went off uh-huh. uh, for a fair amount of the game. Um, you know, you're definitely playing musical chairs to some degree uh, so far in yeah. the season. And yeah. and Rye Schneider's not having a great year at all. So given... Yeah, there's, no, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, given I think given those parameters, uh, the offensive line, I wouldn't necessarily point at that and go, that's a problem, right? In other words, it's, it's, it's a reason why the offense... Had you know had issues over the weekend, but um, now to get off of the offense, yeah. as we said earlier, as you said, there will be no defensive slander on this <laughs> podcast, and I'm I'm not going to slander, but I am going to say that while this defense is 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 a superb defense. It's a superb defense. It is still not quite to the level of 2013. Oh, okay. Okay. And the and the one stat Interesting. The one stat that I pull out uh-huh. anytime we start talking about cuz to me it's how quick can the defense get off the field? Right? So are okay. they are they creating a lot of three and outs, and 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 they're not and they're not burning up a lot of time. They're not letting the other team burn up time. So in other words, we're we're getting the ball back to our offense really quickly. Okay, mm-hmm. the night the 2013 I almost said 19 something. I'm like, what the hell? Am I that old? <laughs> the 1972 well. defense. Um, <laughs> So the 2013 defense, out of all of their, so it's, so 
if you take 100% of their non-scoring drives that they forced, 100% of those non-scoring drives, right? Okay. And I think the, you know, the number of non-scoring drives was like 76 point some percent, right? Of the drives they faced that year, averaged, they averaged, they on average faced 14 drives a game. And 76 point like six or seven percent were non-scoring drives for whatever reason, right? If you took all of those non-scoring drives, or no, if you took all of the drives, right? So 76% plus of all the drives were non-scoring. Almost 43% of all the drives were three plays or less non-scoring. Okay, that's 2013. That is the only team in Gundy's tenure that's over 40% in that category. So in other words, take 100% of the drives they faced, 42% of them were non-scoring three plays or less. Hmm. This defense is at 30... uh, I'd have to look again. It's either 32 or 34. Hang on, let me pull it up. I actually have it because I updated my... uh, that's offense. Where's defense? Here's defense. Average non-scoring drives per game three or fewer. Do largest to smallest. And 2020 is 2020. Oh, whoops. Sorry. I did the wrong sort. There we go. 2020 is in fourth place. So this is interesting, right? 2018, which was Noel's first year, is 14th out of 16 Gundy defenses in that category at 27%. Um, mm-hmm. 2019 is 5th at 32.4%, and 2020 is 4th at 327 Um, So, you know, they're... They're forcing three and outs, but they're actually allowing, if we look at the average number of plays this defense mm-hmm. allows per non-scoring drive, they rank 13th out of 16 Gundy defenses. That's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I... I get what you're saying. Getting three and outs—that's that, a sign of a dominant defense. But the, but this defense gets off the field on on third down and fourth down. Yes. The, no. This yes. Defense, these and, and and maybe it's just been so long since we've seen that that I'm just not used to it. Like I I don't know how many times I get so tired of third and twenties getting converted against us. Uh, and like yes. th- this this defense that doesn't happen. And you know you know you know something interesting. I, I I'm just kind of looking at the drive chart um, at, the, at this painful box score. Um, that, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, Texas, <laughs> Texas had one drive over thirty yards. Can you believe that? Yeah, that was the the one drive was the the TD right, seventy five yard drive for a TD out of Six, 10, sixty eight. Yeah, sixty eight yard drive possessions right out of ten 
valid offensive possessions that were non-turnover related, okay? They had 10 possessions that were not related to a turnover. Nine of them ended in a punt. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the defense, <laughs> I, I mean, we've already said it, but the defense was not the reason we lost this game. No. You, allow, you allow 20 points off turnovers, and you allow a kickoff return for a touchdown, and you go to overtime. So in regulation, the defense allowed seven points. Yeah. Yeah, seven well, points, and, and and let's just let's like, against the best offense in the Big Twelve. Supposedly, like, yes, supposedly the best offense yeah, yeah. in the Big Twelve. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't mean to anoint Texas. They're they're probably not. Um, <laughs> but well, and let's just let me clarify. So let me clarify because you actually started to have a little attitude with me, Zach. Because I think you felt like I was trying to slander this defense which you said we would not allow slander on this podcast. Um, I'm only saying that the defense of 2013 is the altar upon which I worship. No, that, that's fair. That's, but, that was, I mean, that, that's the reason that team was as good as they were. That de- so. so this year's defense... They had, they had to be. This year's defense is number one in, in Gundy era. They are number one ahead of 2013 by three-tenths of, two-tenths of a point. They are number one in percentage of non-scoring drives per game. There you go. Okay, they are number one. Um, so, you know. And, and, you, and, I, and that's, the, that's the number I'm feeling. I'm seeing the scores at the end of games. I'm, I'm watching them get off the field. Whether or not they allow... A first down or two. I mean, they, they've allowed a couple big plays. But when it matters, when you get to third down, when you have a chance to get off the field, they've been getting off the field. Yeah. Percentage, the non-scoring percentage of total plays. Okay, so a team team has 100 plays. If they had 100 plays in a game, just from mm-hmm. simple math, this year's defense is, is holding them scoreless for 71 almost 72 of those plays mm-hmm. you know their yardage um they are number one in total amount of yardage spent in non-scoring drives which i kind of don't like right because that's telling me that we're you know in one sense maybe we're giving up a little too many yards on those drives but at the same time you have a lot of non-scoring drives meaning there's going to be yards yeah um Non-scoring time of possession. So the amount of time a team has the ball in the game and they're not scoring, again, number one, 71%, almost 72%. So this is, this is definitely, I guarantee you folks could argue this is the best defense in the Gundy era. Um, I will, like I said, continue to worship on the altar of 2013. (laughs) But but that you could definitely make an argument that uh, that this defense is is up there and that the display they put on when given when Texas had the ball in a regular possession situation, I mean ten regular possessions starting in their own end of the field, no turnovers involved, nine punts. I mean. Just nine punts. You you can't, yep. you know, Ellinger Ellinger didn't even throw for 170 yards. 
it with overtime. So yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, uh, in, in case we want to just get his the total body of work for Ellinger, he also ran for negative nine. So yeah, negative nine. We tackled. Right. They said this on tape doesn't lie, right? They said we tackled him better than anybody's tackled him in like you know God knows when. Um, yeah. No, that was that but, was a great. Yes, get, give give me more of the Sam Ellinger. Uh, won them one is this Texas is savior won them the game takes yeah oh god give me more god, of that yeah please come on so anyway all right enough about that game I'm sick of talking about how we should have won the game Mercy. Um, and so we are going to because our grand leader told us we had to we're going to take a moment and break for whoever the sponsor is for this fiasco of a podcast. And we shall be right back. Okay, three, two, one. All right, we're back from whatever that was you heard about. Uh, hopefully the sponsor doesn't leave us after this. Thank you, thank you so much for your sponsorship. Sorry, sorry that you had to uh, get behind this. And I don't know, we, I think message. we've done an excellent job being adults here. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard like only probably like five curse words. Yeah, and, this is maybe and, I don't and know. no f no f bombs, no f bombs. We haven't slipped up. We haven't had nobody's had to beep us yet, so that's pretty good. The grand our grand leader will be very happy with us. Um, all right, so on to K State. We're on to K State. Who closing I, the Texas tab? Yeah, Texas Texas tab closed. We're not saving that file. Don't want to see it. Don't want to accidentally mm -hmm. open it up and look at it again. Um, K-State, who I have to, I'm sorry, there's a, there's a level on which I feel sorry for them. Because they started so well, that was such a lovely upset of Oklahoma. We'll take it. We will take that all day. Um, but then to get Skylar Thompson out, you know, hurt, out for the season... And that just completely changed that dynamic. Uh, I mean, did you watch any of the West Virginia game this past weekend? I I, I did not. I I did. I do know that they got beat pretty handily. Yeah, so. that was that was not pretty. Um, was, that a, was that a big factor of the? Well, of, it, of the Skyler interesting. Yeah, the interesting thing was, and it was you know there were a lot of people on Twitter yapping about it. Like, K State started trying to throw the ball quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, conditions in West Virginia, the wind was blowing a little bit. I mean, even West Virginia was, was, was struggling a little bit to toss the ball around. So I was yep. really shocked that K-State didn't make, just say, we're just going to run this ball down your throat type of thing. I don't remember it being that difficult for them that you would abandon the run. Um, but then once West Virginia got ahead of them a little bit, you know, but you didn't like a score too. You, mm -hmm. you just felt like they were, oh my God, we're going to have to throw the ball. We or we're not going to be able to keep up. Yeah. And and at that point, it was kind of it was kind of over with. So, I I I feel bad. I like Chris Kleiman. Um, I love him as an addition to the Big Twelve. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does, uh, recruiting wise. You know, over the next. Um, you know, a couple of years to see if he can maintain and and maybe start to rebuild and show that he can 
he can do it on this level besides just coach. Um, but that being said, but, you know, go ahead. But I mean, Kansas State has never recruited well. I mean, they're 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 worse than we are. I mean, the the the, the more Oklahoma State version of Oklahoma State. They they recruit <laughs> poorly, and they develop these kids that they get into players that that fit their the the Snyder system. And we'll see how we'll see how Clement can keep it up. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, he comes from. Uh, an environment in the FCS at North Dakota State where, I mean, that's exactly what you did. You you just needed to recruit. You know, we can't forget, I think, he had Carson Wentz. Did he have Carson Wentz? Or was it the guy before him? Um, That's a good question. Because Carson Wentz was there. I think so. Yep, I think so. But I can't remember if it was him or the coach before him. But that being said, that's the environment you're in there. Is is you just need one or maybe two, you know, power say power five capable players, right? You need a couple of guys who could go play for a power five school. Maybe they're not starters, but they could go compete for a job and and log game time. And then you need tools. You know, you need pieces. Guys who just fit. They, they fit into what it is you're trying to do. And then you pick one thing and you just do that really well. And K-State's always been like that. You know, you, you find you find a couple of tools. You know, what do those tools lend themselves to? And you start doing that really well. And so, it'll, it, like you say, it'll be fascinating to see over the next couple of years how he begins, you know, if he starts, if he can – Rebuild's not the right word, but if he can kind of put his own kind of Snyder-ish stamp on the team, um, yeah. you know, recruit just well enough and find a, a piece or two that works and yeah. and develop that kind of game plan that, you know, it's like the Colin Klein game plan where yeah. you know what's coming. You know the quarterback's going to run the ball, and for some reason nobody can stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Except for for themselves when they decide to throw. Yeah, exactly. About to so, score to win the but game. But yeah, that was so. That was the thing. Now, if you because West Virginia's offense to me is not not that dynamic. I mean, Letty Brown's a very he's he's one of he's one of the top. He's I, would, good. I would say he's a top three running back in the league. I think you've got Brees Hall, Chuba, yep. and him. Uh, mm-hmm. And but I mean, Deggy is is a serviceable QB. Um, He's fine. Yeah. But I, they don't have any wideouts that are gonna, you know, that blow everything up. Um, and so I, so I, go ahead. No, I, 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 I'm just. I mean, we're talking about Chris Kleeman's future. We'll, we'll think about his future for for a few days from now, immediate future, and like. I, I, I'm worried. Are, are we not, as Oklahoma State fans, worried that we're going to have the third string receiver come in and play quarterback? No, oh, please. I don't want to talk about that. I've watched that. <laughs> I've watched that crap in person. I've watched that bullshit in person. I've been there when we, I was there in 2015, I want to say. So this is 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was too. So odd number year. So yeah, I was there in 2015 when. Yeah, the third string wide receiver comes in, and we had to kick a an 
uh, an effing field goal at the end of the game to win. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. So, I, I would say this. My biggest concern, and I this is this is for me in my notes. This is kind of my first bullet point for the K-State game, is we're going to find out what the team is made of. OSU. Yeah, sure. Here, coming off of a really nasty, really just nasty loss to Texas. That's just a nasty, abusive loss to Texas. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to move past that. Right. Are we going to be able to move past? They, can they move past it? Can they come back focused? Can they can maintain some intensity? They're on the road in mm-hmm. Manhattan. Okay. K-State's coming off a really crappy performance. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to ha- – which team is going to be fired up, come in, playing kind of loose, almost with nothing to lose, right? And yeah. that, to me, is the biggest fear for me, is Oklahoma State going up there like they did in 2000. It was uh, the Taylor Cornelius year. So in 18? 18 where we had a pretty decent football team. And that and the TCU game, a... it was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. It was like... I, I was... So I'm, I'm in I'm in North Texas, so I, me and my dad go to the games when they're at TCU pretty often. <clears throat> I was at that game. It, it that, that was painful. Yeah, it, it, it literally... Was, it was weird. You're like watching that, it going... That, that year was weird. Yes. There were like so many games where you're watching the game going, what are you guys doing? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it hurts when you're like that. That uh, I mean, it was it was the the recent past, so I'm sure you remember vividly. Yeah. But the the we we would play tough against really good teams and beat you beat Texas, Texas. ranked Texas, beat ranked West Virginia, and then and then can't play against teams that are mediocre like TCU and Kansas State. And and just it was, look it was and look, befuddling. yeah, and just yeah. So so that's my biggest concern is. The team going up there and just just laying an egg from an emotional standpoint, um, but listen, if we can go up there and and we got we we've got our shit together. To me, if West Virginia did what they did to K State, mm-hmm. we have a better defense than West Virginia, yeah. and I think we have, you know, overall maybe a better offense. Right, we've got more weapons. Oh yeah. Right. I, I I mean, we're we. I think somebody. I saw this on Twitter. I, I think Spencer Sanders was the best player on both teams on Saturday. There you go. So it's like we we determine, and I, I feel confident in saying this. Oklahoma State will determine the outcome on Saturday. Right. We will yeah. dictate whatever happens. That's a great point. Yes, that's a great way to look at it. I mean. Howard Howard is not going to beat us throwing the ball unless we play like shit. He's not going to mm-hmm. beat us running the ball unless we play like shit. Uh, they do have the one – there's the one guy. What uh, I like his name, too. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce. Deuce. Yeah, that is cool Deuce Vaughn. It's, that is such a great football name. Uh, yeah, very football name. Right, very football name. It's also – it could be a very good bas- – uh, not basketball, baseball name. It could be a very good baseball name. <laughs> uh, but Deuce Vaughn, that's a great football name. Um, he can play. He can play, but but that's it. I mean, that's yep. nothing – there's nothing scary. Look, K-State's got a decent defense. 
but it's nothing that Oklahoma State's offense shouldn't be able to have some success against. Yep. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you nail that on the head. Um, whether or not you know, Oklahoma State wins that game will be totally up to Oklahoma State. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so do, do you do you know the line for the game? Have you seen it yet? Uh, sure no, but we're gonna we're gonna know it here. We're gonna know it real quick. We're gonna know it. So, so so I, I have seen it. Do you want to take a guess at what it is right no, now? No, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna pull. Don't you say a word. I'm gonna pull it up on ESPN. Don't you. Don't you blab anything, damn it! Well, I, but I, before before you say anything, I want you to guess. Uh, what do you think? What do you think the line is at? The line. Oklahoma State's got to be favored, but mm-hmm. are it's less than a touchdown. Twelve and a half. Holy shit! Yeah, it just popped up on my side. Yeah. Twelve and a half with an over under of forty six. That's a that's a that's a low number. I think I'd take. I think I would. Yeah, there. I think I would be on the over there because I think Oklahoma State. Well, here's the thing: Does Oklahoma State put up? Because if you just think about it, Oklahoma State puts up thirty. Does yep. K State put up sixteen? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. You know, this game to me, you know, now that we start talking about it, this game to me feels like a. Like a twenty-eight to like seven, you know, like twenty-eight to three, sort of an old-school Big Eight game, you know. Where I mean, I, I, both of those scores, as long as Oklahoma State's at twenty-eight, I'll take it. Right. I think OSU is going to score somewhere between twenty and thirty points. Okay. And if K State scores anything more than say fourteen, I, I just don't understand. It means Oklahoma State's dicking around. Um, yeah, or turning the ball over. Turn exactly, turning the ball over, and that. So th- this would be the last thing we talk about going into this game, all right? Because obviously people are focused on Spencer Sander and his turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that the tape doesn't lie, guys, had a made a good point, and that Spencer Sanders is always going to be a high volume interception guy. Okay. That he's trying to make plays, he's he's going to be a bit of a gunslinger, uh, you know. I think that's a term you used earlier when we were kind of right before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of that's going to happen, right? Would you? Wh- what do you think about that assessment? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I get it. I think I think that's always going to be a part of his game. He's going to take risks. He's going to be better at deciding when to take those risks, when he needs to take those risks. I'm not saying he's going to get perfect, but I, I think he will get better. But I, I see what they're saying. I mean, and I, I think that's always going to be part of his game to some extent. He's going to take those risks, and he's going to try to make throws that he can make because because only he can make them kind of thing. And, and he, sometimes it'll pay off, sometimes it won't. So it comes to the territory. I, I think to some extent, yeah, that'll always be part of his game. Right. So... So my comp with that, and I got to look it up, and hopefully the sheet is still available. Let me see if the sheet is still available. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So if you look at... 
if you look at Brandon Whedon's first 12 games as a starter for Oklahoma State, first 12 games, he had 13 interceptions. Okay. So he averaged just wow. a hair over one interception a game. Interesting. Okay. So he was without question, and if we not to give it away, because I know I know Philip is doing a post, I think he's doing a post about uh the starting quarterbacks under Gundy in their first twelve games as like a you know a comparison. Mm-hmm. But without question, right, prior to Spencer Sanders, Brandon Whedon was was the king of frigging uh you know, interceptions. He was the high interception guy, right? <clears throat> so that, but maybe, and and this is this is unfair because a lot we've had a, a Heisman class running back too, and so some some of that get, leaches away. But I mean, what is what are Whedon's touchdown numbers in that same time? Probably yeah. Like well, that's I was just 60? about to mention thirty. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's it's not as crazy as I thought. No, thirty-two, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention uh, Sanders' numbers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll let the the post speak for itself. But mm-hmm. but Clint Shelf, Clint Shelf in his, uh, you know, in his time, had similar numbers to Whedon. In his first uh, so many starts, so, so so you're comparing Spencer Sanders to Brandon Whedon, and you're comparing Tylen Wallace to Justin Blackman. You're you're telling me we got we got Whedon to Blackman on the field, a, a better running back, and and a defense that's better in 2011. So 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 we're gonna you're telling me that we're gonna beat Alabama this year. Uh, what you're saying? Uh, 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 no, no. I never said I Spencer that. was Brandon, and I never said <laughs> now Tylen. Now Tylen, you, I would I would sit here and go Tylen is Tylen Justin Blackman. No, but do I think he's in the same class of of wide receiver as Justin Blackman? Yeah, I think he is because I think he's a type of wide receiver who's gonna t- who could who's capable of taking over a game because he decides mm-hmm. he's gonna take over a game. That's interesting, and it's not something I would have said. But now that you say that, I mean, yeah. he he would have been a Belichick finalist last year too if he stayed healthy. Absolutely, yeah. He, he was the year before. He should have won it the year before. Should have won it the and year before. So you're talking about a guy that's probably going to be a Belichick finalist, uh, who could have been last year or would have been. Yeah. But but certainly from sophomore year and his senior year, he's he's on track, I would imagine. So right. a guy that had a chance for three Belichickoffs. In three years, that's I mean that's that's definitely Justin Blackman air. Yeah, I mean that's I mean he's different, right? We talk about it. he's different. Yeah, uh, yep. he's not that same style of wide receiver, but in his style, he he has that ability. Now, is Spencer Sanders Brandon Whedon? Uh, no, he's not. He's he's mm-hmm. just not. Uh, that Brandon Whedon was a was an aberration, was a complete accident. Of uh, he was just an accident in the universe <laughs> is what he was. He was an accident. He's well. Yeah. He wasn't recruited. He wasn't recruited, and they tried to run him off the team, and and Alex Kate had to throw like fifty two incompletions with nine interceptions and a half 
<laughs> for you to start the guy. So, so he was an accident. Yep. Brand weed was an accident. That was that was that. So he was an accident. But you know, I mean, Spencer has he's got the skill set. He's twelve games into being a starter. It's mm-hmm. you know, I think the hard thing for folks to handle right now with him is you have Chuba and you have Tylen and those guys, I mean, well, at least one of them came back because yep. he wanted a shot at what he thought could be a conference championship. The other one came back because he's coming off a knee injury. He needed to reestablish himself before the draft. That's There's, there's no sure. way if you're Tylen you're going to go straight to the NFL off of a knee injury like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we're sitting here looking at arguably two of the five best, six best skill position players uh, to come through OSU in the Gundy era. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Spencer's game on, you know, Spencer's performance is capable of putting that type of a season that we would all hope for in jeopardy. And people are having a hard time looking at that and going, well, we have to be patient, you know, because next year, and I understand it, because if that was OU, if that was OU or Texas, I guarantee you somebody would maybe be switching somebody out. I I don't don't think there's any question. Lincoln Riley pulled uh, Rattler for a possession earlier this year. To kind of yeah, help him get I, his I head get on it. straight, right? I, I get, I get why fans are frustrated. But on the flip side, Sanders is also the only one that unlocks the potential of the of the yeah, offense. Exactly, he's like the uh, what there was the there was the old video game was like uh, the Legend of Zelda, you know, where you're trying <laughs> to run around and find like the secret key, you know, that kind of a thing. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. that was a great that's a great description that uh, you know. That he's the key that unlocks the yep. full potential of the offense. Yep. Um, and, and, and with it, the team. And with the it, defense the team. is going to make up for a lot of sins. And so can Spencer figure it out enough to be consistent enough to make a few less mistakes? And then, then you're in business. Yeah. So. so, so all right. So, predictions. So, uh, the line's 12 and a half. Over-under's 46. In Manhattan, what is the uh, – let's look real quick. What's the forecast? Uh, where's weather? Looks like it's going to be 74 and sunny. Hang on. I don't trust you. That's just the ESPN says. I mean – Oh, you know what? I never I never trust that. I was like, sometimes I wonder if that's just showing you what the current <laughs> forecast is. You know, or the current whatever. If, it, if it's sunny and 74 right now, then the world really has turned upside down in the right. last couple of days. And 10 day. Here we go. Saturday. Yeah. So it's going to be sunny. The the cha- On weather.com, sunny, high of 76. No rain, but a touch windy. A touch windy. Winds out of the south at 18 miles an hour. So almost 20 mile an hour hmm. winds. So it's gonna be a windy day, gusty. right? So that would that would seem like it would turn into maybe let's run the ball or be a little more conservative with the throwing game. 
see Chuba's first 200-yard game, maybe. Oh, we'd like we we'd like that. That would get him back into the good graces. So what do you so what do you yeah. think? Twelve and a half. OSU's laying twelve and a half over under forty-six. See, I I don't see Kansas State scoring out of the teens. Like I I'll get I'll give I'll give Kansas State thirteen, and. Uh, I don't know. To to make that line interesting, we'd have to do something like twenty four or something. But I I think it's going to be more like twenty eight to thirteen. Right. So that's the under. So that's forty one. So you're you're saying I'm, and I'm I'm all over that. I'm all over that. I think. I think OSU covers, barely. And I think they cover barely just because of the nature of the game. Yep. And then playing a backup quarterback, which which it's probably going to be bad for us. Yeah, right. Um, I just think the nature of the game. I think it'll just be a conservative game, right? Mm-hmm. So I would, I would, I'm I'm going to stick with my my initial statement of twenty eight, uh, twenty eight to seven. I think twenty eight twenty eight seven, but I'll I'm going with, I'm going with the cover, going with the under, and. Um, you know, and this get their get their crap back on uh, schedule, and then I think, what do they have a, a bye? I think do we have an off week? Uh, a, a bye, and then OU, right? Oh God, a bye, and then Bedlam, please. Is that Be- Bedlam? Bedlam. I mean, it feels like we're. I mean, we are. We're, we're halfway through the season, and we got a Bedlam game coming up. I hate that, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm a I am an end of the season Bedlam person. W- right. Win, lose, or die. Yeah, I like put Bedlam at the end. Yeah, put it at the end because that's got heartbreak written all over it. So well, you you may get your wish. You may get your wish. Hopefully, yeah, that's it. Get it on track, and we can do it again. And that's going to be. I'm actually. You know, the the only good part of that is, uh, with my work schedule, and I've been at my job long enough. I have enough. I have enough time off. I'm actually taking the entire week of Thanksgiving off. Sounds awesome. So thank heavens that that's the following <laughs> week because I'll probably, yeah. you know, I'm I'm it. I'm just I'm I'm the OSU person that says we're going to lose we we're going to lose we're just we're going to lose to OU that's what we do it's <laughs> we're going to lose to OU and it's going to suck and whatever so um so anyway all right so yours wait yours was what twenty what was yours twenty four to 20, 28 to twenty eight to thirteen is you're twenty eight thirteen I said twenty eight seven. We're both picking the under. We're both picking to cut. Uh, we're both picking to cover. Which is funny. I think we both saw the over under, and I think we both said over just on initially looking yeah, at the it. Yeah, right. about it. Well, you're so used to the Big more. Twelve, right? Yeah. You're so used to the Big Twelve it's, being a lot of points, and there's been so many unders this year. Um, it's it's been crazy. So anyway, all right. Well, that's good. That was a good podcast. We behaved ourselves. It, that was exemplary adulting we did. That that very, very very good behavior. Very good behavior. Our our grand poobah should be very proud of us. I hope we didn't scare mm-hmm. off the sponsor, and uh, and that's that. Everybody have a a great week. Be safe. Enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, and go Pokes. Now, uh, Zach, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Zach McCoy three seven one on Twitter. On Twitter, you can follow me, Robert Wetzel, at Robert W underscore OKST. 
Um, and obviously, Cowboys Ride for Free is Cowboys RFF. Uh, again, enjoy the weekend. Go Pokes. Let's get a win. Get back on track. Everybody have a good weekend. Sounds good. Have a good one, Robert. You too. All right.